Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And um, we're here and we are doing our very, very first sequel episode. I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. You guys, um, last season we talked about A Court of Thorns and Roses and that episode was so popular and we had so much fun that we decided we had to talk about our personal favorite book and second book of the series, A Court of Mist and Fury, with the same guest from season one, Dr. Shelby Van Rossum. What's up, Shelby? Hey, so delighted to be here. We are equally delighted to have you. Yes, we so are. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, last time, I don't know if you guys remember, but I had only read the first one. So it felt like Julia and Shelby just knew everything and I was so out of the loop, but now I'm all caught up and I I know things now. We did (laughs) know everything. We like literally after recording that episode, I texted her and was like, this is your favorite character, right? (laughs) Um, and Um, we've been messaging ever since. Now I know what's happening in the books. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) You can share the obsession. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here to obsess with you guys now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, can I just like side note real quick? There is a podcast that Shelby, you introduced me to called Book Talk for Book Talk. And I know it sounds like I'm just saying the same thing over again. Uh, <laughs> book Talk as in T-A-L-K for Book Talk. T-O-K, you know, like TikTok, is uh, the name of the podcast. And they do a deep dive on Akatar on the first book. And their second season, which is coming out this summer, I believe, is on the second book. <gasps> and I am so jazzed for this. Like, they do a really good job. Um, I mean, obviously, I just love everything Akatar. So I was, this is my recommendation just overall. Go listen to it because it's so cool. Nice. I think you second that recommendation. It's really good. They look at it from both a feminist lens and a Marxist lens. They both Mm -hmm. seem to have a literature background. Um, And it actually made me appreciate the novels a lot more. Absolutely. Mm. And they make like, they make really good points. Mm, Nice. I'm gonna have to check that out. Mm -hmm. You definitely should. Um, But Shelby, how does it feel to be our first like repeat guest? Well, Julia, it's quite an honor, <laughs> truly. <laughs> um, I mean, I have no qualifications to discuss literature uh, aside from just loving stories. Uh, so I'm very grateful for the invite and the opportunity to chat about uh, Court of Mist and Fury. I mean, you can't say that you have no qualifications. You know how to read. So that's your qualification. <laughs> that's there it. We we're pretty casual here. I think if you love reading and you love a story, then you're qualified to talk about it. We we are not judgy on that, even if you don't like reading, but you listen to audiobooks, I guess that could also qualify you. It's up to you. I think so. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Honestly, I admire people who can listen to audiobooks. I wish I was able to focus on them because think of how much more I could get done. I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never actually listened to an audiobook before. Never? Never. No. Whoa. I listened to the first Crescent City book as an audiobook mm-hmm. and then read the second one. And it was a very weird transition. I bet. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I have only really listened to one audiobook, 
um, while I was driving. And it was very, very hard because it was mm. also kind of a boring book. So that was oh. my bad. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, I kept dazing off and being like, mm, what's happening? Okay, whatever. Mm, interesting. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah, I've done. I've done audiobooks when I was moving cross country from Michigan to California. Um, the first one, I, I finished my Wicked audiobook, like finally. It took easily three years because I usually <laughs> listen to music and I only listen to audiobooks on like long drives. And then the second time I drove back because I did like, I've driven from Michigan to California and back three times at this point. That's so many Jeez, miles. That's I know. I know. And it was by myself too. Like, honestly, Brutal. I'm a masochist. Um, and I'm getting that. <laughs> uh, the second one I listened to was The Guest List by Lucy Foley. And that audiobook is dope. That book is I amazing. That, I could see yeah. that translating well to audiobook. It, it so did. I was like yelling in my car at the plot twists. It was just, it was very good. I have heard, have you guys read the book, um, Daisy Jones and the Six? Yes. Mm -mm. Um, so that book is all interviews. It's about this made up band and every, the entire book is just interviews where different members of the band talk and they got tons of different actors like Judy Greer voices, one of them. Ooh. And so it feels kind of like a play. I hear. If That's I'm going cool. to listen to an audiobook, I kind of want to give that one a shot, even though I've already read the book, just because I feel like it'd be a good way to do it. Definitely. Um, but enough about that. <laughs> I know, right? We need, we need to get into like the meat of this episode because yes. A Court of Mist and Fury is, is awesome. I know. It's going to be, you guys, you're in for a trip. Um, I'm get shaking. ready. The I'm next <laughs> hour and 15 minutes of your life is going to change you. <laughs> okay, so... You guys, this book is about, what would you say? 500 pages, 400 pages, uh, many pages. I can just look I can at tell it you in a second yeah. here. Oh, thank Maggie. you. Okay. So you've got the hardcover. I wonder, is it the I have a paperback <gasps> copy too. Nice. Because okay. I have problems. Um, 626 is the okay. page number. It is 626 pages. So I would say that my summary is more of a brief synopsis because... Um, I wrote out a summary and it was like three pages long. And I was like, I'm not reading this. That's really long. Yeah. Well, a lot happens, Julia. I know. I know. I'm just <laughs> saying like, wow, that's that's like the longest. That's like me doing a summary of unfortunate events on our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I erased it and it's more like a, a little hint and I leave you on a cliffhanger because I figure we'll talk about a lot of it. And some of it is good to just be a surprise. So here we go with a little summary. Synopsis, excuse me. A Court of Mist and Fury picks up three months after the events of A Court of Thorns and Roses. Feyre is back in the spring court with Tamlin. Though she and Tamlin are now engaged to be married, things are not going as well as we might hope. Feyre suffers from terrible nightmares that keep her awake and often make her physically ill. Tamlin pretends not to notice and won't even let her leave to visit the nearby village. He said it is. He says it is to keep her safe. He also tells her that she will never be a high lady. She wonders what her role will be once they are married and why the mating bond hasn't formed between them. Oh, you guys, I meant to ask. I don't know how to pronounce this. Ianth? Ianth? It's Ianthi. Ianthi. Oh, I was going with Ianthi, but... Thank you. Ianthi. Yeah. Ianthi, cool. one of the... 
12 of the high priestesses, plans the wedding and practically worships Tamlin. She also has made an alliance with him on behalf of the high priestesses. On the big day, Pharaoh realizes that she is too emotionally ill to make this life decision, but doesn't know how to get out of it. She is screaming inside her mind for someone to save her, and that's when <gasps> Resan shows up. He whisks her away to the night court. She finds the night court much less terrifying than she expected, though her opinion of Resand hasn't much improved. He insists that she learn to read and also to shield her mind. Her thoughts often scream at him through their mental link. She meets Resand's cousin Morrigan, and she also meets Cassian Azriel. Azriel? Ooh, you guys, how embarrassing. Azriel. <laughs> Thank you. And Amran. <laughs> While Feyre navigates a dark web of politics, passion, and dazzling power, a greater evil looms. She might be the key to stopping it, but only if she can harness her new gifts and decide how she wishes to shape her future. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. I've got some new fun facts for you guys. Well, you want them? No, Absolutely. Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. We're just going to keep moving. Um <laughs> So I've got three of them. The first one is actually like podcast related. Uh, so currently we have four reels on our on our Instagram and a court of mist and fury is somehow in all four of them. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two of it, two of them, it like features pretty heavily. Where like one, I'm changing characters and it's David Rose quotes and it's just like all the inner circle of A Court of Mist and Fury doing them. And then two, I'm like holding a book and it's A Court of Mist and Fury. <laughs> and then another one, it's just like the entire series is behind me. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Julia. It's going to be a thing. Like You should I now just, just make sure it's at least in the it. back of everything that you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I'll move around all of my other books except for those. Be like, perfect. Yeah. So that was the first fun fact, just because I thought that was really funny. Um, It's not like I intentionally did that. I was just, I realized it after posting the last reel and was like, oh yeah, this is a thing. Um, All of her books, all of the author's books, Sarah J. Moss, are connected. Um, she has confirmed that they are all connected. And I know that because Shelby sent me toward her interview for the second Crescent City book, which was really good. Um, but like super spoiler filled. So you can't watch it until you've read both of the Crescent City books. Are you but saying that I to think me or to the audience? Both. <laughs> okay. Um, but I think that's really cool that all of her books are are interconnected. And then I saw an interview with her and her husband, which are super cute and dorky, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and her favorite snack is Cheeto Puffs. I respect it. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. So those are my three fun facts. <laughs> Thank, you, Thank you, Julia. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, well, now to mosey right into the first question. I'm assuming I know all of our answers, but is this your favorite book in the series? And if not, why? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I really wish that I could just forget this entire book 
so I could reread it again for the first time because it's <sighs> just it's just that good. Yeah. It was yeah. such a treat to read this for the first time. I feel like I love reading, but there are some books that just really, really feel like magic when you read them for the first time. And this was one of them. I loved it. I loved to read mm-hmm. it. This book made me cry a lot. Like at the end, <laughs> I was so upset. Oh. And like the second time I read it, I cried even more. And so it was just like, I'm a hot mess. But that's okay. It's, no, it's I think- so worth it. I think it's great when a book speaks to you. And I don't know about you guys, but I find it is harder for me to cry over books than it is television. I cry Mm -hmm. less with Mm -hmm. books. So when a book makes you cry, you know, it's really, it's really hitting some emotional keys. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good squealing moments too, um, especially when we get into face and and you're just like, oh, (laughs) yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um, So what are y'all's favorite lines or sections well julia um so many (laughs) so many favorite parts i know it's like can we just Um, read the whole book yeah right um that might be a copyright problem i don't know yeah Um, i'm pretty sure it is so i saved all my face and moments um to that part of the podcast so i picked favorite parts that were just like pharaoh related or just not face and Mm -hmm. um and i picked one um, I was going to read the like tiny little section here. Um, this is when Feyre goes to the Weaver's Cottage to mm. steal the the ring for Resand, And it's kind of the first time that she starts to find her own strength again. Um, and she kind of realizes that the trauma before her does not define who she is in this moment. Uh, and I really got chills when I read this for the first time. So she's up in the chimney to set the scene. I was not a pet not a doll, not an animal. I was a survivor and I was strong. I would not be weak or helpless again. I would not, could not be tamed, broken. Uh, I really liked that scene. That was one of my favorites. Um, I like set the book down after that. I didn't even like finish the scene. I was like, oh my gosh, like she's just, she's moving forward. Um, And that was really special. The other two favorite scenes, I don't necessarily have to read them out, uh, but I love the scene where she's training with Cassian and mm-hmm. she's punching his like whatever sort of like kickboxing gear he had on and she burns right through them and he kind of just stands there and takes it because he knows that she needs to work through some things and i just love that little snippet of cassian and the beginning of their friendship I yeah thought that their was friendship really... is so cute it's mm-hmm. it's so brother and sister it's oh, amazing yeah. and cassian's one of my favorite characters he's just he's funny so he i enjoy funny. that he yeah. is funny yeah and then my last, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> my my last like favorite um, non-face and scene is at the, I think it's at the end of chapter 55 when they're coming back from the cabin and the inner circle is just waiting for them in the night court and they all stand up at the same time and swear their fealty to Feyre. Oh, that was another like chills moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, what about, about you, Julia? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's the entire book, but... I don't have it marked. One of my favorite moments for just Feyre in her like personal growth journey because as I was flipping through this and like finding where I didn't highlight in this book and I thought I did, but I dog-eared stuff. And so I was reading like each dog ear the other day. and I was like, oh, this is what I was marking. I was marking like her mental health journey through the book. But one of the ones I really love, like you mentioned Cassian and Feyre, 
Amran and Feyre when mm. Feyre goes to the prison the first time and just can't do it. She can't do it. She just breaks down and they go back and she just sits in bed all day, just kind of wallowing in just the trauma of having to be under the mountain. And Amran comes in and just like throws a brooch at her. It's <laughs> like, this got me out of the prison. Um, and, and Feyre's like, and you're giving it to me? She's like, no, I want it back. But, <laughs> but like, take this, it'll help you get out. Like, you'll know you get out if you have this. And so, like, she does, she goes in the next day with Resand and they do their thing and then comes out and eventually gives it, like, back to Amran. And uh, Amran just, like, tosses it somewhere else. She, like, she doesn't, she doesn't give two shits. Like, it's, it's just hilarious. Uh, Amran is just so sassy. Um, and Fair is like, isn't that Im- important? And Amran's like, no. That is absolutely nothing. <laughs> I just wanted you to feel like you had some sort of safety. And I think that is so sweet. And that is exactly how I would handle a situation like that. If someone was having an issue, be like, here's this talisman. This is what <laughs> helped. This is what helped me with it. I want it back, but use it until you're done with it. <laughs> so I think that's like kind of cool. Not reverse. That's not reverse psychology, is it? Kind of. Kind-ish. But then a part that I'm going to read, it's when they're about to meet uh, the inner circle. It's when Farah and Resand are standing and just looking out the window at um, Valeris. And... Feyre is just having like her own realization about stuff, which kind of stuck with me a bit. So um, maybe it was some shred of courage or recklessness, or I was so high above everything that no one save Reese could the wind uh, and the wind could hear. But I said, I'm thinking that I must have been a fool in love to allow myself to be shown so little of the spring court. I'm thinking there's a great deal of that territory I was never allowed to see or hear about, and maybe I would have lived in ignorance forever like some pet. I'm thinking. The words became choked. I shook my head as if I could clear the remaining ones away, but I still spoke them. I'm thinking that I was a lonely, hopeless person, and I might have fallen in love with the first thing that showed me a hint of kindness and safety. And I'm thinking maybe he knew that. Maybe not actively, but maybe he wanted to be that person for someone. And maybe that worked for who I was before. Maybe it doesn't work for who, what I am now. Mm. And it's just like, yes, Farah. I'm so happy that she's figuring that out. Because Tamlin, it just didn't work. There's a reason the mating bond wasn't sliding into place. And Maggie, I don't know if you remember mentioning or that you mentioned in the first episode of Akatar, but like just the fact that you didn't think they fit very well after not having read any of the other ones. And you called it out. You're like, she's just lonely. She's just being like in love with someone that's giving her attention. Um, Which is totally valid. But I think uh-huh. 
then her journey to realize what she needs and what she deserves in a partner as she finds her own strength again is so, so amazing. I think that's really like the biggest part of this book is Pharaoh coming back into her own and realizing like she has the power. Yeah, I think that's what makes this book honestly stand out for me is it's not just about like Feyre and Rhysand falling in love, but it's such an honest portrayal of mental health and like Feyre's journey to finding like her independence and her strength is so authentic and so beautiful that this book just really stood out to me in the series. I agree. It's the love story is great. It's awesome. And I love it. But I think the most important thing to take out of this book is her mental health journey and how she finds strength in herself mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Especially after coming out of a really traumatizing situation and a not great relationship. All right. Moving well, on. <laughs> this book has... A lot of new and super cool stuff. So if you could bring something out of A Court of Mist and Fury into your world and your life, what would it be and why? I think the first thing that I thought of was winnowing. I think it's a really cool Mm. power that some of them have. And I would love the ability to just travel across the world on the drop of a hat. Uh, It would also make my day-to-day life so much more efficient. I didn't have to commute. Um, (laughs) That's true. Uh, that, was, oh my God. that was the most practical thing in there. Um, and then just like the city of Valaris, I think would be so cool to visit. Um, like the nightclub, Rita's, the the music life. Um, and then anything that they wear, all of the clothes sound so beautiful. Oh, they do. She describes clothes and shoes and clothes and shoes, clothes and food so well that I'm just like, hmm, I will eat this snack and take this outfit. Thank you so much. I don't know why you're (laughs) going into detail over these things, but I'm living for it. Like word for word, that is also my answer. (laughs) I was going to say clothes just because all of the gowns are so pretty, but but like winnowing, winnowing would be so easy. Like it would make my life so much easier, so much easier. Oh, I'm just imagining if I could do that, it would be amazing. We could all go visit Maggie in France right now. <gasps> you could exactly. Yes. We could have done like a big girls trip. That would have been amazing. And we could record together in our tiny Airbnb. That would be so cute. I would have loved it. Would it have worked though? I feel like every time we try recording together, it the sound never works. That is true. Although we have really only tried it the one time. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I guess so. But it um, was like so bad that we're not doing it. Was I don't so know. Bad. It was, it was so, so bad. bad. Yeah. I guess we'll just have to figure it out, but I'm sure it's possible for yes. a time in the future. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Maggie, yes. this is a question for you because in the first book, you didn't know any of the other courts. That's right. True. Yeah. Um, so now that you've seen more of them, which one do you think you'd want to live in? And this is just assuming, Shelby, that you want to stay in the Autumn Court, maybe. Um, I definitely want to stay in the Night Court. I'm I'm staying in the Night Court. Yeah, I'm definitely Team Night Court. Would love to live in Valeris. Would love to live with the stars. It just sounds so beautiful. And I know that, like, where I lived was filled with people who loved their land. And Resand really protects his people. And it just sounds like where I want to be. Mm-hmm. 
So I think before, didn't you say spring or, or autumn? I think I said autumn because I knew something was up with spring. Like, mm. I could not tell what was going on, but I was not happy with it. I kind of picked autumn based on the fact that Maggie hadn't heard of the other courts yet. That's um, really generous. Thank you. <laughs> I, still love I was autumn. just like, nah, I'm going to pick the one that I wanted to. <laughs> So I, I would be between two, uh, obviously Valaris, um, like the nightlife just sounds amazing. Um, and like the musicians quarter um, just sounds like I would spend all of my time there. But I noticed a little tidbit as I was doing this reread. Um, they're talking about day court. Um, and the, I did not at all think that I would want to live in the day court. But they talk about how all of the libraries and all of the knowledge of Prithian is housed in the day court. And I think it would be really awesome to just be a like, librarian or somebody who spends their time cata- categorizing all of that knowledge. So that would probably be one of my top choices. That, that is, is a valid point. Agreed. That is mm-hmm. incredible. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either, which is kind of surprising for the both of us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think I was just whisked away by the magic of the night court. Oh, absolutely. As we are all. But I mean, they have so many different cool quarters of Valeris. Like they have the artist corner, the music corner, the shopping, the like all the metal work and stuff. Like honestly, it it fills everyone's weird niche of interest. That is true. That is so true. Mm -hmm. Well, you guys, I don't even know how to ask this, but let's talk about Favor and Resand. AKA the couple of my life, the couple of 2022 and 21 and every year ever, ever. How do we even start this conversation? I don't know. Okay. Oh, here's how. Um, So one of my cousins read this book and she told me that she wasn't very impressed with the slow burn of their relationship. Like it took too long and then wasn't very smutty, as smutty as I was telling her that it was. Okay. Here's the thing with that is, is it a slow burn? Yes. But that is because Feyre is working through her mental health and Resan is giving her the time to choose him all by herself. He Mm -hmm. loves her. He's loved her for forever. He knows that they are mates, but he wants to wait for her to finally be okay to be in a relationship with him. Also, sure, is the smuttiness condensed to like two chapters? Yes. But is it a very intense two chapters? Also, Also, yes. yes. So I don't know. I love a slow burn. I think that there is a balance. It can't be too slow, but I'm all about it. I just don't believe it when they fall in love right away. I think there's so, so many moments leading up to them actually becoming mated that show why they're mates, that show why they should be in love. And it's so much more convincing than Tamlin and Feyre. And I think Miss Moss did that intentionally. Um, I really love that Reese approaches Feyre and the trauma she's been through in a much better and healthier way than Tamlin does. Mm -hmm. I mean, off the bat, the first time he brings her to the night court... He teaches her to read. He gives her power. He's empowering her and not oppressing her. That's right such there. a funny moment, too, because yeah. she's so mad about it. She's like, what? You are forcing me to learn how to read? And it's just, it's one of those things. Like, she's just mad because she is embarrassed 
but mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like you should know how to read. Mm-hmm. I love when she first gets to the night court and she just tosses the shoe at him. Right. Um, so iconic. Right. And he like catches the second one. <laughs> oh, it's just so funny. I also love the notes that they send back and forth. They give me such butterflies. It's like mm-hmm. texting a crush for the first time. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so sweet. A really clever way to do like the texting trope from romance books. I Absolutely. think that, that's so fun. Just having like a note and a pen next to it. And then somehow Resand knows when it's been written on. So then he can make it disappear and he'll write when he has time and then send it back sort of situation. I think that's so clever. Completely. And I, a part of me wishes it was real. And a part of me just loves my privacy too much, but that they can like speak to each other through their bond um, is so, so special. I would love to be able to just like chat with my best friend through our minds the entire day. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That's, I mean, when he also taught her how to put up the walls in her mind. Yes. That's where the privacy comes in. Like it doesn't have to be a constant, you're getting all of the intrusive thoughts and just the regular thoughts and like everything. Uh, You can like intentionally send communication down the line, which is nice. Yeah. I don't think I want that. Yeah. Um, Nobody wants to be in my mind. I don't, I don't want (laughs) to subject anybody to that. Uh, What if you like meet halfway on this, like, proverbial bridge between your minds like what if what if yourselves aren't actually in each other's brains but just like mm, in a middle ground spoiler for crescent city but i feel like it could be kind of like that there's a moment where that happens and i feel mm, like that would be useful that would be useful interesting i haven't read that yet it's i just think too bad of a spoiler okay well i'm not too concerned because odds are by the time i read it i'll have forgotten fair <laughs> I just think it's really romantic and not even just romantic, but speaks to like how much they rely on each other and how much they trust one another. Mm-hmm. And, and that trust is earned. It's not yeah. just plopped into the book. Right. Um, it's hard earned. Why. Mm-hmm. Like fair is dealing with a lot of PTSD and she's got to work through that. Mm-hmm. And but, Reese gives her the tools to work through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we're going to touch on this later, but he is that space for her and he forces her to talk about it and he gives her the tools to be strong on her own and show her that she's not a weak human anymore and that she can work through things herself. Mm-hmm. That's the and thing I'm, is like, Oh, yeah. sorry. You go, no, Julia. go for it, Maggie. Okay. I was going to shift into the next one. So, Oh, okay. You go for Let it. me just, yeah. Um, Cause I, I think it would, honestly be wrong to call it a slow burn because when you read the book you watch them learn to trust one another because it takes Feyre a while to not see him as a villain and to really become his friend and trust him and also we talk about how Resand is helping Feyre but also she's helping him because he had to deal with so much under the mountain as well and she allows him to see that he is worthwhile and really really strong and special too And I think that their relationship is just so well depicted. Like when they get together, you cannot doubt it. You know that they belong together and you know that they are a really good match because they have taken the time to understand one another and make the other better. Mm -hmm. Yes, agree. 100%. Can I talk about my favorite face and scene? 
Um, yes. yes. Or one of them, because there are so many good ones. Um, I love before they're even kind of developing the romance of the relationship and they're just walking through Valaris and she hears the musicians um, and she realizes that the music she's hearing now in Valaris is the music that Resand sent into her cell when she was under the mountain. Um, I just, I, it was, it was definitely a moment that made me a little bit teary. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like he took music from this place that is so special to him. And he shared it with her before he even really knew her. Um, and I feel like music can speak to people in such important ways. Um, and he even comments, uh, this is from chapter 29. Uh, he comments that he sent her the music because she was breaking and he couldn't find any way else to save her. Um, so I just love that scene. Yeah. Well that, and also it shows the the strength of their bond because when he sent the music, she also started seeing pictures mm -hmm. like in her mind of Valeris and just this beautiful city. And then when she mentions it to him, he said, I didn't send you pictures. I just sent you music. Um, so that's when like, Things are starting to shift together. We see a little bit uh, of that, which is really cool. My favorite uh, scene when they're like starting to get very into each other, honestly, is <laughs> it's not chapter 55. It's not what you think. It, it is the scene that they have before it when they go into the court of nightmares and suddenly it's very voyeuristic and <laughs> and like that one that reading that made me blush more than reading chapter 55 um i sorry not sorry i was just like oh my god well it's There's like the anticipation and yeah like the yeah again it's voyeuristic and then the way that they're dressed is just like yeah. very yes it, very oh man heavy. oh man but that's also like the first time Feyre sees Rhysand's full power or like not even his full power, just the the strength that he's letting out to intimidate everyone. And she's like, mm, yes, sign me up. And I was also like, yes, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> so, yes. I love it. I I agree, though. I think the anticipation sometimes is so much sexier than when you're actually reading them, like being physically intimate with one another. It's mm -hmm. the the it's not even will they, won't they? It's knowing that they're about to and unsure when it's going to happen. That is like the steamiest part for me. Definitely. The anticipation is really what does it. And Sarah J. Moss is out there being the queen of anticipation. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> Like, can we send her a fruit basket? I, don't... <laughs> I think she gets more than a fruit basket for that. <laughs> bottle of wine at least. Okay, a wine basket. Actually, that would be amazing. I would love a wine basket. I don't know that I can ship across state lines, Maggie. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I, I'll be okay. You can wait until I'm like a really prolific author. And then we'll figure out a way for you to send me a wine basket. I'll just send you a box of like all of those tiny wines. <laughs> okay. Genuinely, that would be great. I would love that more. <laughs> okay. Shelby, um, do you have any other face and things that you want to share? Because you um, said you had a lot of them. Oh, there's so many. Well, chapter 55 is like iconic. Um, I 
can picture it really well in my head. Not like mm-hmm. the spice scene, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, uh-huh. yeah, you can. <laughs> um, the painting, like, so I guess most yeah, of our readers, I'm hoping, I love have that. read this, but they're like covered in paint the whole time. And um, we see earlier in the book how Feyre just shuts out any thoughts of painting and any thoughts of picturing things as a painting, if that makes sense. And all of a sudden she's painting again in this really prolific way. And Mm -hmm. they're kind of enjoying their mating bond um, while she's got paint everywhere. And it's just kind of a a beautiful scene. I hope it transfers well to the screen. Uh, I think that could be. I think it will. Mm -hmm. I also love um, Starfall. When, or yes, yes, Starfall. Oh, Starfall. Mm-hmm. They just sound like everything sounds beautiful. The gowns sound beautiful. Like I can picture them covered in this stardust, and they're both mm-hmm. smiling and happy. It's just very sweet. Yeah, I love the moment when Farah gets hit in the face, and then Reese starts laughing, and then Reese gets hit in the face, and I'm just like, <laughs> "That's deserved. It's instant karma." Yeah, they. Ugh, that moment is so sweet. I picture that chapter in my head and i have only read the book twice but that's like such a moment for me is that chapter well i don't want to bring us down but do you guys want to talk about tamlin um it's only gonna fire me up it's not gonna bring me down okay well here's the thing with tamlin and it is that and i don't say this to be dramatic but he is the worst yes in a Court of Thorns and Roses, he was what Feyre needed, but we've seen over and over again in that book, and then again in A Court of Mist and Fury, he is probably pretty sexist. He doesn't ever take her thoughts or ideas into consideration. He treats her as his plaything. He doesn't want her to be shared with the world, only to brag that this is the person he wants as his wife. He is very, very selfish, and he doesn't listen. When Feyre is going through so much trauma and PTSD from being under the mountain, he pushes her aside, he criticizes her, he he adds to her abuse by being emotionally abusive to her when she needs him the most. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is so hard to read and so frustrating. He he could be better. He like could take the time to grow himself, but he is just so actively chooses not to yeah he she tells him what she needs and he continues to be selfish and unkind the entire Mm -hmm. book feyra was drowning she was drowning in her trauma and she tells him that she tells him that and he explodes a library and only enforces more and more rules upon her he literally locks her locks her up and um, there was no way he could come back from that. Um, he, again, mm-hmm. like you said, Maggie, he had time and time again to try to make amends and try to better himself, but he did not. Um, I think Resand actually puts it really well. And uh, I think it's about halfway through the book when they're talking about Tamlin. And he says, the issue isn't whether he loved you. It's how much, too much. Love can be a poison. And I think that was really indicative of how Tamlin was acting mm-hmm. and the way that he treated Feyre. Well, I think similarly, uh, at least around the same time Resand said that, Feyre has a thought, or no, maybe it's a little bit later when 
Lucian comes and like tries taking her back to the spring court. Um, and she just, she has her own power. Now she takes her power and doesn't let him take it from her. And then she considers the thought that something in the spring court made all of the males fester, which I know like Lucian is autumn court, but he lives in the spring court. Mm -hmm. And just like when they hear no, they keep pushing for yes. Whereas she like compares to, I think, Asriel and, and Cassian and is like, if I told one of them no, they would back off. But there's something that is wrong and festering in the spring court to where they just don't listen. And I really liked that she pointed that out because, I mean, it's true. <laughs> no means no. It doesn't mean maybe another time. It means no. Like, back off. Um, also, I love that moment between Feyre and Lucian when she is literally, like, sprouting wings out of her back and being like, I will kill all of you. If if someone tries coming after me, I will hunt you down and kill you. Um, because he didn't do anything to help her. Mm -hmm. He was her first friend. And he basically just didn't do anything. And that is its own form of abuse, which is really, really shitty. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, Lucian, um, he has so many opportunities to help her or even if he wants to be Tamlin's friend, because he's clearly very, very loyal to Tamlin. Mm -hmm. He wasn't even there for favor. Like he wasn't there for her to talk to and be with, even if he wasn't going to help her escape or be free. He did not even give her like a shoulder to cry on. And honestly, being passive in the face of that kind of abuse is just as bad. He mm -hmm. did absolutely nothing. And it is so, so frustrating. And it really disappointed me in his character. I felt like he became so weak and wimp throughout that entire novel. I didn't see any of the things that I liked about him from the first book. Mm, no. Yeah, I 100% agree. I was so angry with Lucian, um, especially in that first part of the book, because to stay neutral in the face of oppression is to take the side of an oppressor, right? Um, mm -hmm. And he just says, I'll talk to him. You know, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes. Um, I, I agree with you, Julie. I love the scene where she is in her full power, full night mm -hmm. court glory. And mm -hmm. Lucian is trying to take her back. And she's just like, no. She just gives him the the magical finger. and um, Right. Just, yeah. Isn't that, that's like one of the first times she also winnows too, right? Like sort um, of. By herself, yeah. By herself. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, such a good scene. Such a good scene. Such also, good scene. I don't know how much we want to talk about it, but, and this is a bit of a spoiler, I guess. So skip really fast if you don't want to hear This whole episode is full of spoilers. True. But <laughs> here we are. Um, Lucian's um, mated with Elaine, with uh, Feyre's sister. And honestly, it is one of the few things about this series that makes me actively so angry. I just, 
I don't know. I get that he can't help it. Like, she is his mate. And that's just how it was divined in the stars for them. But the way he goes about it is so (laughs) annoying. so stupid. I know he's, like, trying to give her space. But I'm like, you are being so annoying by just hanging around. Like, either go away. Go do your own thing. Yeah. How about you go and give her five years to accept her new life and then come back? You just, like, lurking around the corner isn't helping anybody. It's like she sneezes and he's like, you called? (laughs) I'm here. What do you need? There's, um, so this is probably best saved for the theory section, but it it fits here. Um, There's a theory that Lucian is not actually Elaine's mate and that he's covering for Tamlin. Because, what? Yes. So I had to go back and reread this. I saw this on TikTok that this is Tamlin, so good. Oh Tamlin, my God. <laughs> Tamlin has a very extreme reaction when Elaine goes into the cauldron. And it is so much more extreme than when uh, Tamlin is watching Amarantha kill Feyre in Akatar. And it mirrors the way that Resand acts when Amarantha is killing Feyre. Um, so t- you see Tamlin have this extreme, extreme reaction about Elaine. So that's kind of like the background of where this theory started, that maybe Lucian is just covering this whole time uh, because Tamlin knows he would not be allowed at the night court right now. Um, I don't know if there's any merit to that, but it's it's an interesting thing to think about. I genuinely think that that is wild. And also, I could see that being true because I just don't see Lucian and Elaine. The whole time I'm like, Elaine, you can do better. Find anybody else. I mean, she shouldn't be with Tamlin either, but no, no, it does make sense as to why Lucian is being so weird about it. Well, it also makes sense as to why Tamlin is like a haggard mess for the rest of the series. But he is like constantly being a thorn in Feyre's side, too. So mm-hmm. that's true. That's that's a thing. But it um, also could make sense. And this is just me being too goofy about it maybe but <laughs> elaine likes to garden and tamlin is from the spring court yeah i mean I honestly like- it would be a match made in heaven if he wasn't such a dick <laughs> true <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i don't think everybody needs a mate i think i've told this to you before julia but I'm yeah also i agree up for like platonic mates or we don't need everyone to be mated no No, but I also think that your soulmate, or in this book series, mate, mate, can be platonic. Like, the person you are destined to be with could just be, like, a really good friendship. You never know who it's going to be. But also, I do think it's just, I don't know, very serendipitous that this group of friends and family just... I know, right? (laughs) Like suddenly everyone has a mate. Go to the cauldron, come out with a hot, a hot mate right there. Just like, okay, whatever. Uh, I want to see mates of the same sex, though. Absolutely. Like, that is I'm something waiting. that has not happened. It's always like a male and female mate. And I just, I mean, for reproductive reasons, I guess, but we need. We need some same-sex mates, guys. I agree. I mean, it took us three books to even get the news that Morgan was um, not heterosexual. Fruity. 
Yeah. Mm. A little fun, a little flirty. <laughs> um, and I'm glad that Sarah J. Moss put that in, but wow, it took us three books to get a character like that. Yeah. Yes. She needs more LGBT representation. Um, I mean, I'm glad it's there. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, statistically, not everybody has an opposite sex mate, statistically, just pure statistics. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> It's not an opinion. Yeah. It's just it's just fact. Right. Doesn't matter what your opinion is. Mm-hmm. It's percentage wise. Come on, literally Sarah, fact. Plus, I just imagine that fairies should be more open minded. Yes. Well, there's there's that one high lord. Shoot, who is it? Is it? It's Kalias? the Yeah, I think so. Who is just he swings both ways, but I think that it's. <laughs> kind of a disservice to the people that swing both ways for him to be constantly trying to get like threesomes or orgies going. Um, I was like, not everyone does that. Yeah. Like the people that are interested in multiple sexes do not always want to have threesomes or orgies. Like that's not how it works for everyone. Yeah, I think it's a little bit their own, but like that's kind of a disservice to it is eyes and pans and all of those. Yes, those lovelies does not portray the buy and pan community very well. It's a little bit harmful, but Mm. yeah, well, it would be different too if there was more representation. But the fact that that's kind of the only character, yeah, um, to hang your hat on that makes it kind of rough, I think. Yeah, because I think the buy and pan community gets over sexualized um, in media. Oh, um, totally. And that's kind of just perpetuating that stereotype. Not a fan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there's also like the stereotype that's perpetuated that if you're in a straight passing relationship, you're straight. But if you're in a like, uh, what is it? I don't know how to, like a non straight passing relationship, words are failing me right now, then you're just gay. Um, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like you can't also over-sexualize this part of the community while also trying to erase their identity. Like, exactly. that's not fair. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, I yeah. I mean, I hope books do better. All books. It's not just Sarah J. Maas, I think. Mm-hmm. it's Especially, I think, in fantasy series, there is not a good representation of sexualities at mm-hmm. all. It's yeah. very fantasy is just very heterosexual, I think. It is. And there's a lot of great queer representation in literature, uh, but a lot of it does not happen in fantasy. Mm-hmm. All right. So, moving on from sexuality, let's go into uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. It is May, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, as well as Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, check out our episode on she who becomes the sun for that representation that's super cool let's talk about Feyre's mental health journey that she goes on in this book i was really glad that you included this um i think it's really important and as we kind of discussed already that it really is one of the main themes of the novel um and if you'll indulge me for a minute i'll put on my white coat and talk a little bit about um yes what Miss, I'm not qualified for this sort of thing. Whatever. Yes. Tell us everything. 
So when we talk to a patient about PTSD um, or we're starting to figure out maybe this person might be suffering from PTSD, we ask them a series of questions. We think about what their symptoms are. Uh, the first criteria for having PTSD, having a trauma. And clearly Feyre has an intense amount of trauma from under the mountain. I don't think that's in question. Then we begin to look at her symptoms. So there's a, a different categories of symptoms. And Sarah DeMoss does a good job of illustrating and including all of the main symptoms of PTSD. Intrusion symptoms. So this is when Feyre is having her flashbacks, her nightmares, um, her recurring memories of what's happening under the mountain. Avoidance symptoms. So she avoids the color red. That was the first thing that I noticed because painting in red or red flowers remind her of the blood of Claire Better and of the fairies that she stabbed at the end. She avoids enclosed spaces. She avoids her painting. She has a lot of those avoidance symptoms. She has a negative alteration in cognition and mood. That's one of the qualifications. Um, we see that over and over again, just the way that she is describing herself. She's so guilty about what happens. She describes her soul as shredded. She describes her soul as a filthy prison cell. Um, Sarah J. Moss is really, really reiterating to the readers that Feyre is looking at herself in such a negative light, especially at the beginning of the book. Another symptom is alteration in arousal. So hypervigilance, restless sleep, um, things like that. We definitely see that again and again from Feyre. And then the final is, does this cause distress, impairment, and functioning? And it definitely does. Feyre is barely surviving at the beginning of this. Resand is so shocked at how thin she is, how weak she is. Uh, she's not sleeping. She's vomiting constantly. I think the way that Sarah J. Moss depicts PTSD is actually really helpful. Sometimes in media, PTSD is... Um, portrayed in a way that people don't always think that they could be experiencing these things, um, that you have to have been in a war, you have to have um, something really bad happen to you. And then the symptoms are just, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with these nightmares. But Sarah J. Moss really depicts all of the aspects of Farah's life and how much her trauma affected her. I really uh, thought that that was important. And what's even more important is she shows that there is a way to heal from the trauma that even though Farah's memories will always be there, she finds strength in herself to continue living. She finds the tools that she needs to start moving on with her life. And that's in part due to resand, right? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, Farah needed a therapist and an SSRI, but those don't exist in this world. So at the very bare minimum, she needed a friend to talk about these things with. And Tamlin was the opposite of that for her. Uh, so Resand was kind of a little bit of her saving grace. He's the one who gave her the tools to see that she had her own strength. Um, so I just wanted to talk through like mm -hmm. how important it was that these symptoms, these criteria were actually portrayed in the novel. And if anybody is listening to your podcast and they feel like some of these things really speak to them, um, I would just really encourage them to reach out to a physician or a therapist or a friend. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I want to like, Resand was the main like tool in helping her learn more. But also I think the the inner circle 
of the the friends. We've got Amrin, Moore, Cassian, and Asriel. I think they all helped with different aspects of tools too. Like Resand may have been the main one, but even branching out to the other four, it it added different layers of it. Like they all explained their traumas as well. And that gave Farah a something to connect with to mm-hmm. to realize that she's not alone. Mm-hmm which is so, so important when you're suffering from like PTSD, trauma, anxiety, depression, like all of that. It's so important because you feel so alone in that Mm -hmm. kind of journey to then like know that you're not is a game changer. I really liked when she was talking to Moore about um, the significant trauma that Moore has experienced. And she remarks that, I don't remember exactly how she worded it, but she remarks that even though Moore had gone through this, she was still a kind um, and helpful person. And I think that was a moment for Feyre to realize that I can accept what happened to me and I can still be a person moving forward. I don't Mm -hmm. always have to be this filthy prison cell that I see myself as. Absolutely. And I think it was so smart for Sarah J Moss to include that. And also um, for Feyre to have someone who went through not the same experience, but had a similar reaction to her experience and to see that um, through time and like doing the work to, to heal herself um, that the trauma wouldn't and her experience wouldn't affect her so much as mm-hmm. um time went on because she was so overwhelmed with everything that she felt towards herself and about her experience. And so I think that the character of Moore was just really clever, a clever tool. I think this book means a lot to a lot of people. Um, And I'm really glad that Sarah J. Moss decided to write it the way that she did. I agree. Um, But I also just want to take this moment to say that I will put in some links to mental health professionals and phone numbers for anybody who is feeling um, like they're just going through a bit of a hard time. So you have those tools and um, yeah. Don't know how to finish that sentence. I don't know either. This is an important topic, but it's also interesting in trying to find your way out into a different topic after this. But I think it's worth talking about because this book is full of the mental health journey and themes and it's important. Absolutely. Everyone, everyone yeah. goes through something at some point. Yeah. I think it was good to touch on, especially because as we've mentioned it so many times now, but this book is not just fantasy and romance, but it's so, so much about self and how one views their self and how one lives through trauma and continues moving on to find their strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, um, we're going to move on to a super fun, goofy question. Um, I love these questions. I did take time to really think about it, but I'm not super pleased with all of my choices. I didn't even do it for one of the characters, but we are about to cast the inner circle. Shelby, who do you want to start with? Let's start with Resand. Okay. That's the the one I couldn't do. (laughs) I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought to myself, No one is this good. Sorry. (laughs) I agree. Okay. So here is my thinking about Resand. I 
don't think he should be played by a white actor. Yes. And so that is where like the casting kind of gets a little funky for me because like there aren't, uh, I don't know as many uh, actors of color that I do as white because there are a lot of white actors out there. Um, So like if there was an actor of color that looks like Ian Somerhalder, I think (laughs) that could work. Or um, like Mina Masoud, who played Aladdin in the Aladdin series, I think he could probably make it work. Um, he's got the vibe that I that I like, but I don't know. Like I'm not completely set with it, you know. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard. Um, and I really agree that Resan should not be a white man. Um, no, I don't think anyone in the night court should like it. No. Ever, all of the different courts are a bunch of different ethnicities. Like mm-hmm. it's not all just white fairies. That's lame. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we've seen before that literature that is written like it's supposed to be white people translates really well to the screen with people of color, um, mm-hmm. like Bridgerton and Shadow and Bone. Um, oh, so I would love so to see good. that happen. Um, yeah. I actually took a Bridgerton actor um, for Resand. I think Renee Jean Page, the guy that plays the Duke, would mm-hmm. be an excellent choice. You know, um, what? I actually thought of him randomly mm-hmm. at one point too. I was like, mm-hmm. um, because he would he's be like, so good. Yeah, he's very. He can yes. do both. He can do like the um, the snarky and the like night court Resand, mm-hmm. but he can also be very tender and caring. So that was the best I could come up with. All right, love that. Um, Julia, let's just move along in the list. Yes, yeah, pick a character, baby. I want to pick Morgan, and I think Blake Lively should be Morgan. Oh, I did Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, interesting. Who is that? Oh, um, Last Night in Soho, Emma, Queen's Gambit, Queen's Gambit. She's the redhead in Queen's Gambit, yeah, yeah. but she has I like really. Long blonde hair in real life, and she has like these giant eyes. Oh, okay, all right. So we both have like really long blonde hair, and yes, and she's like personalities. Yes, my originally I was like, oh, Amanda Seyfried, and then I was like, but younger, and then I was like, oh, Anya Taylor Joy. Thought Mm. of it. (laughs) All right, all right. I thought Anya Taylor Joy would make a really good Yanthi because she could definitely pull off the imperiousness. I this is okay. I promise they're not all Bridgerton actors, but <laughs> I think Simone Ashley would do a really good job. I know that the Morgan is supposed to be blonde, but I don't think she has to be. Oh, it um, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Simone Ashley is the one who played Kate in the second season. Mm, and she, she also, good. yeah, she's she really so good. good. And she looks really good in jewel tones, which is what Morgan uh, wears a lot of. That's um, true. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that oh. actress also in Shadow and Bone? No, she was in, um, I don't think so. She was in Sex Education. Um, that's the oh, thing I that know must her from. be where I know her. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Maggie, your turn. Pick one. Okay, um, should we go with Amarin? Sure. Okay. Um, I didn't know because I felt like Amarin, especially because um, they're like a creature trapped in a body. I felt like nearly, it, it's like, who are you going to cast? I wasn't sure. Um, So I have two very different choices, but I did Kristen Stewart and Maisie Williams. 
Okay. Okay. Amaran. I did not picture her that way at all. Oh, interesting. Very different vibe. Yeah. So I, I think I, I had a similar vibe going on with that, but I'm going like old school with my suggestion. Let's hear Because it. I remember watching the BBC show Sinbad a few years ago. Okay. And the actress Marama Corlett in it has just the vibe that I, like she's tiny and lethal in the show and i just think that she would be perfect nice yeah shelby what were your vibes yeah um i'm pretty sure that like amron would have an asian looking appearance and and this might just be because i've seen loads and loads of fan art uh, but i went with arden chill for her She's kind of like a fan cast that I've been seeing a lot of. And um, what are they in? What would I know them from? I should have written that part down. Um, oh no, that's I'm okay. I just can't right picture now. them at all. No, I can't remember what they're in, but you might recognize her Teen if Wolf. you Google her. Yes, Teen Wolf. That's what it was. Okay, that's okay. the only one that I really know. Images of Arden Cho. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. I think we all went for like the small and feisty mm-hmm. look. Yes. Mm -hmm. But absolutely. Yeah. Good choice. Shelby. Yeah. What do you want to do next? Oh, let's talk about Azrael. Okay. Let's do it. I feel like Um, he's also hard to cast. Um, I picked Diego. I I don't have anyone for him. (laughs) That's fair. Um, I picked Diego Luna. He's the guy who plays Cassian Andor in Rogue One um, because he's just kind of got the like stoic, silent type to him, but he's also. Um, I don't know. Something about his vibe just fit for Azrael. Mm-hmm. Shelby, that is such that. a good choice. What if, like, okay, picture Tom Hiddleston's Loki in the black suit in Thor Ragnarok. That's kind of what I pictured as Azrael. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, like, daggers coming out of his hands. Love that for you. <laughs> Long hair, shoulder length, kind of, like... All black suit. Oh, so good. Julia, who do you want to do next? Cassian. I think Cassian. Yeah. Um, I put Ben Barnes, which I know that he's also in Shadow and Bone, but I felt like he kind of had the vibe that I was always thinking about. I could see that. I I think Henry Cavill could probably do that. Just because he's like a you always want to cast Henry Cavill. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I will say, as a listener of this podcast, Henry Cavill comes up quite a bit. <laughs> and the only thing I like Henry Cavill in is The Witcher when he's looking very rugged. Uh, so like he was that- solid in Enola Holmes. I liked him there. Yeah, oh fine. yeah, he was good um, in that. <laughs> I think if you make him like Witcher-esque, he doesn't have to be blonde, but that then he would be a good choice, I think. Yes, Cassian. that's yeah. that's definitely what I was thinking. I saw a photo of him recently and was like, what are you doing? Uh, because he wasn't in like Witcher costume. I was, no, I don't. No. It's Witcher or nothing. <laughs> but yeah. So that I just I think he he's very big and muscly and mm-hmm. so is Cassian and so I think that is a solid fit. And as That's a person true. he loves fantasy so I think he could get yeah, behind that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could he could definitely get behind that. 
I picked an actor that I've never seen on screen um, because I was just looking through fan casts and I thought it fit well. His name is Can Yaman. He's a Turkish actor and he has the like long hair vibe, the rugged vibe. I think he would probably make a great Cassian. Ooh, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. 100%. Just a bunch of photos of him with abs. Oh God! And that's how Cassian would walk around, like open shirt. Exactly, like he's just that's wearing true. a cutoff vest. Yeah, like <laughs> very, very true. All right. Uh, um. Last but not least, Feyre. I thought Feyre was so hard to cast. Um, yeah, I just couldn't picture her. Um. So I just started googling actresses. The one that I came up with that I don't know. I kind of liked it. Her name's Alicia Um Elpam Carey. She's from the One Hundred. So she's got like. Hmm. A lot of pictures online of her fighting. Um, she has the kind of like soft brown hair um, look that Farah has. I've also seen Sabrina Carpenter, but she has mm. uh, blonde hair. But I didn't like that yeah. one as much. Um, I did two different choices. Um, I did Naomi Scott, who is Jasmine in Aladdin. Um, and I know she doesn't have like the blonde hair look. But I think that she would like really, really capture like the heart and tenderness of the role. And then I also did Elle Fanning just because she's really, really good in the great. And I think she's probably pretty good in like period pieces. So I think that she could really, I think she could do it, especially because Pharaoh's so young. I like all of that. I didn't actually have one for Pharaoh, which is why I didn't pick her uh, (laughs) when we were doing this. (laughs) That's okay. I get it. Yeah. She's just really hard to cast. I mean, if we have to pick someone that we already know, you got what you guys picked were awesome. But I think she should be an unknown. I agree. Yeah, I think it's tough. I think it should at least be someone who has not done like this sort of thing before. Like maybe she has been on stage or in television, mm-hmm. but not like a feature film, like a big name actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just so there's less pressure. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm also okay if they age up the actors a little bit. I don't necessarily think that they need to be 19. I think it'll be tricky, though, because it'll take so long to make everything That's that true. they should probably start younger because by the it'll be at least years. five years mm-hmm. until they make the last one. At least. That's a good point. Good point. You're the you're the screen expert here. I hate to be this they, way. They have anti-aging stuff nowadays. So that's true, but it could go either way. It never looks great. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but maybe Me. technology will get <laughs> yeah. better. Yeah, that's true. I mean, by then it could. It really could. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this is a really, really fun section that we don't always do because books don't always have large headcanons out there or theories. Uh, but do you guys have any headcanons or theories about this book slash series? Um, Shelby, I know you already shared one, but do you have more? I do have more. Always. Um, Yes. (laughs) I have way too many. Um, This was one that I found when I was rereading this for the third time. Um, So like this current reread and it's on 487 and it's almost like a foreshadow. Farah is talking with Resand about painting the the drawers for her sisters and she talks about what she painted for the other sisters and she talks about painting flames for nesta and nesta's Mm -hmm. book is called a court of silver flames um so i think this is foreshadowing for elaine's book 
Um, she says, I painted flowers for Elaine on her drawer, little roses and begonias and irises. So I feel like Elaine's book might have something to do with that. That one's interesting. That's a, a good little guess. theory. Little theory. Yeah, we already talked about the Lucian part. Um, one of my favorite headcanons is that um, the Surreal is just like this gossip girl character who's just spilling tea Mine all over Mine I love the Surreal. I have seen like just a funny little post where it's like the the car- bone carver and the weaver and the Surreal are all like eating or drinking together and they're like I wonder if they figured out that they're mates yet and then like Cereal's trying to drop hints and they're like she didn't pick it up and (laughs) BRB and leaves and like just goes and drops it and like comes back she knows now it's all good (laughs) uh it's so funny um I think Shelby you and I have talked about what Elaine's book might might have going on in it like on top of the flowers i like to think that it's going to have more to do with um what happened at the prison because mm-hmm. elaine can hear voices she after she comes out of the cauldron she's a seer and she can hear things that not everyone can hear and because we know in Nesta's book, right, they go to the prison and, like, this weird memory surfaces about, um, like, the people that used to live in the prison way, way long ago. So I think Elaine's book is going to be more about that, too, which would be so Ooh, cool. That would be super cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I would like to nice. point something out that people are going to get really mad at. What? Resan's eyes are blue. They call them violet in the book. Like there are moments in the they, book where she calls they, it violet. She calls it them violet a lot. However, there are also instances where they're called blue. It's just a very deep blue. And I was just like, people are gonna hate this. They're gonna yell. They're gonna they're gonna be so upset. But Resan's eyes are blue, but ladies he, and gentlemen. She does call them. Violet many, many times, but mm. maybe maybe they change colors depending I have on his mood. Textual evidence. But I have textual evidence that she says violet. <laughs> I'll but they're down. blue. Who knows? I mean, it literally maybe they do change colors though. Okay. Because people well, with fair time... eyes do have the ability to like change from blue to green. So his mm-hmm. could change from blue to violet. And it would actually be interesting because maybe depending on his mood, they're a different color. Mm. That would be an interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. And this is a magical creature in a magical made-up land, so who knows what his eyes are doing? <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> I just see a lot of artwork with Resand with purple eyes, and I'm just like, oh. his eyes are at least indigo. Uh, they are not the royal purple that we see right now. Um yeah, I mean, I think to be fair, I don't think violet really is purple. It is more of a like blue mixed with purple, right? I'm trying to think of the crayon. It's like a pretty dark purple blue. What's like the purple on the rainbow? Because yeah, 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 Reggie like Biff. blue indigo violet. So that's purple. Thank you, Shelby. Yep, she's got it. Thank <laughs> you. I love purple. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Shelby. 
Um, well, you guys, if you could be a character in this book, who would you like to be and why? Oh, Maggie. Um, mm. Oh, Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julia's probably not surprised, but I would pick more. Um, oh, 100%. And I can I think, see that. I think more is an awesome character. Um, she She's also a little bit mysterious because we don't quite understand her magic. Uh, but in A Court of Mist and Fury at the end, she has healing magic. She heals Azriel. And the healing itself, I was like, okay, of course, that's, that's my character. That. Um, I'm a healer. Um, that's true. She has excellent fashion sense. She looks great in red, which is like my color. Um, if I do say so myself. As she, you're wearing red right now. <laughs> she loves to dance. Like she goes out and has fun. Um, and she's also so powerful. Like Resand says, more is who I'll call in when the armies fail and Cassian and Azrael are both dead. Um, so she's just, she's a badass. She is a badass. Love it. Mm-hmm. Maggie, Julia. who would you be? Oh. <laughs> okay. Wow. Rude. Um, I think it's pretty tough. I would say I don't fully see myself as anybody in this book, but if I had to pick somebody, I would just want to be Feyre. I, I would love to be a high lady. I would love to have that kind of power and, she is also a badass. She's really, really strong and she's loyal to the people that she loves and mm-hmm. she cares about her family and her friends so much. And she's also artistic. I'm not a painter, but um, I love that she opens up in her art and mm-hmm. she loves fiercely. I just, there's a lot to admire about her. Definitely. Yeah. You'd make a good high lady of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think I would also choose Feyre. I really connected with her mental health journey um, and that she was able to come out of it, which is so strong. And the writing was very amazing. And it was easy. It's easy to connect with that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um, when you've gone through that sort of thing. I feel like there are people out there that were like, Farrah is so whiny all of the time. I was like, no, she's going through something. Like, you can't yeah. blame her for not being in the best place uh, because she has PTSD. Um, so for that, I think Farrah. Also, I do like painting. Well, there we go. Yes. Nice. I could totally see that for you. As um, Julia, that's so sweet. Um, now we're going to do something a little bit different that we've never done before. We are I'm going so to excited. take an Akotar quiz. Who is your Akotar mate? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I found this quiz uh, online. I found a lot of quizzes online, actually, about Akotar. Okay. And yes. I took a lot of them because some of them gave me an answer I didn't want. Um, and this quiz, I think, is one of the more fun ones. It was just on gotoquiz.com. Who is your Akatar mate? <laughs> it's got 10 questions, which makes it really nice for a podcast um, because I'm going to read the questions to you both and the things you can pick. You pick your thing and then we'll just keep going. Yeah? Deal. Go Perfect. Check. All right. Question one. How do your friends describe you? Ambitious, sporty, Intelligent, quiet, outgoing, sarcastic, dreamy, or sunny? Pretty tough. Julia, you're my friend. You want to tell me how you describe me? Um, I would say either outgoing or intelligent. 
Oh my God. That's so sweet of you to say. Mm, thanks. I picked sarcastic for my own. No, actually, no. <laughs> I, I picked ambitious when I took this quiz. Smart, smart. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will go with, I'll go with intelligent because I feel like I'm medium outgoing. <laughs> okay. Shelby, what I are went, you picking? I went with intelligent. <gasps> Shelby. Okay. All right. All right. Um, next question. What is your favorite color? Cobalt blue, baby blue, maroon red, forest green, sunshine yellow, gold slash silver, white or black? Um, easy. I did green. My favorite color is purple, but that's not an option. So I know gonna... that was so lame. I ended up picking black because there wasn't a purple. I'm going with red. Nice. All right. All right. Next question. What is your favorite hobby? Reading slash writing, traveling slash trying something new, drawing slash painting, training for sports slash dancing, solving puzzles, cleaning slash organizing, watching a movie slash TV show, or cooking slash baking? Um, I Reading and writing. Same. Reading <laughs> for sure. Yep. Yep. That was an easy one. Question number four. What is your ideal vacation? Disneyland slash Disney World, a road trip, cruise, camping, going to a foreign country, beach vacation, going to a resort, somewhere snowy. Wow. I feel like really lame, but it's genuinely really hard for me to pick between going to a foreign country and Disney World. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to pick foreign country, though. Mine would also be foreign country. Uh, I'm pretty sure I picked a beach vacation on mine. I hate sand. <laughs> I just miss the beach. I don't live near enough to one. Um, okay, question five. Out of these, what is your favorite game? Apples to apples slash cards against humanity. Chess slash checkers. Chinese checkers. Twister. Monopoly. Uno. Jenga. Or Mancala? Um, Mancala. Really? I I freaking love that game. Um, I had a dream about it the other day. And what? I, I'll be honest, I haven't played it since I was like 10. But I, I'm going to go with Mancala because that really struck a chord with me. I love also, for you. Monopoly yeah. brings out the worst in me. God, I <laughs> hate Monopoly. Yeah. Monopoly is the worst. I picked um, Cards Against Humanity. I am Same. the annoying friend who likes to bring it to parties. <laughs> That's amazing, I have, though. I have the expansion packs. <laughs> okay, those are the best, though. You just roll up with your boxes of Cards Against Humanity with all of the expansions. That's awesome. Love that for you. I'm pretty sure I also picked Cards Against Humanity. Um, what is your favorite snack out of these? Beef jerky, powdered slash chocolate donuts, Something spicy, something sour, ice cream, nuts slash berries, chips, or chocolate? I'm a chip lady. I love a salty snack. Yeah. I'm a sweet snack. I went with chocolate. Mm, I went with the donuts. Ooh, good choice, You know, like those bags of donuts? They're just, I could go through a whole bag if I wanted to. Um, What do you think is your best trait? Patience, creativity, intelligence, kindness, quick wit, attentiveness to your friends, willingness to help, or advice giving? It's tough. It's tough to say something 
<laughs> right. It's so yourself. hard to give yourselves a compliment. Yeah, this is um, hard. I am debating between attentiveness to friends and creativity, but I'm going to go with attentiveness to friends just because I know like one of my strongest traits is my loyalty, loyal to a fault. Aww. So yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I picked creativity when I did this and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, definitely. Well, actually it was hard between quick wit and creativity. Yeah. I think I would go with advice giving. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I would. Do right. that, one. that one or patience. I'm a very patient person. You are Shelby, great. you do seem like a wise owl. Like mm-hmm. you just seem smart. I would go to you for advice. 100%. Like the owl in the uh, Tootsie Pop commercials. Yeah. yeah that's you. <laughs> that then like steals the Tootsie Pop. <laughs> All right. Question number eight. Would you rather read a book or watch TV? Um, I would rather read a book. Certainly. Book. 100. 100%. Yes. Okay. Who knows you best? Your BFF, your mom, your dad, siblings, your boyfriend slash girlfriend, some random person you decided to unload on. Yikes. I hope no one's <laughs> picking that one. Um, I am going to say my BFF. Um, I also said that. Sorry, boyfriend. One day. That one's, sure that one's hard. Saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be between my BFF and my partner. Um, I'll just say my partner for this one. That's fair. You guys have been together for a while, so that makes sense. Yeah. Plus, I mean, your partner is probably your BFF, right? True. One of yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that makes that hard. Okay. Last question. Freebie question. Who would you like to be your mate? Um, Resand slash Tamlin. Why? Garbage. Oh, my God. Why would you do that? Helion slash Eris. Lucian slash Varian. Tarquin slash Cassian. Callias slash Azriel. Well, would I like Resand? Yes, but I don't want to be attached to Tamlin in any way. Right? What am I supposed to pick? <laughs> if there was only one choice, this would be easier. I don't like half the choices that are on here. No. And there's no women. I, I take offense, but yeah, I do too. There um, is, so I took another quiz that was like they gave you the option would you rather have a female or a male or it doesn't matter, mate? and so I took like the doesn't matter but they had like 20 questions with it and I was like this is too long I can't do that um yeah but that one's cool they are out there you should definitely find it well I'm just gonna go with Callias and Asriel because I'm even though I'm in love with Resand, I'm not getting attached to Tamlin for any (laughs) amount of time so (laughs) that's bold of you I picked Resand when when I did this quiz it's tough I just I can't do it I can't he makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> yeah fair okay i'm gonna go with uh tarkin and cassian um because tarkin oh. i feel like is just like a standard whatever like i wouldn't actually pick him but um i'd probably pick cassian out of the bat boys because he's got like the best sense of humor that's true this is, this is true okay I need, here we go need humor <sighs> stressy i'm hitting submit answers oh my god i'm gonna barf if i get tamlin <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for all of us to share our answers. Oh my god, I literally got him. No, it's like your main one. Yes, I got seventy eight percent. Oh, who did this to me? Who made this quiz? I am so so distraught. 
Shelby, where are you at? Um, I got 92% Cassian, so I can I can handle that. That's, that's, that's probably my best result. Um, Tamlin nice. is way down here at only 32%, so mm. I'm the real winner today. You really yeah, are. You are. I'm only feeling blessed because at 75%, I got resand. But evidently, I don't really match with anybody because my highest is just in the 70s. <laughs> so Dang. I'm just going to be alone. <laughs> No, it's fine. It's fine. fine. When I took it, yeah, (laughs) that's true. When I took it, I got eighty-five percent resand, but then two down, I also got Tamlin at sixty-six percent. So, thank you for sharing that, Julia. So I don't feel so alone. (laughs) But I didn't get Tamlin as the job. I don't know what I did to deserve this. It was the attentiveness (laughs) to friends. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, whoops. But he's really I'm, not. I'm kidding. Though. Tamlin's not attentive to his friends. He just thinks he is. That's true. Well, um, <laughs> I'm basically going to go and cry. But before we do that, <laughs> do we have any book recommendations that we would like to share for people who oh. enjoy um, the Akotar series? Yes, I have two recommendations this time. And I actually brought them with me. Um, <gasps> Love it. So the first is the Folk of the Air series um, by Holly Black. Oh, um, I have seen those around. They're mm-hmm. very good. So it also plays with the human in a fae world trope, um, enemies to lovers. Um, it's YA, so it's a little less spicy. Um, but I really like the way that Holly Black writes her male characters. Like she plays with masculinity in a different way than Sarah J. Moss does because mm-hmm. all of the like men in Sarah J. Moss's series are very like masculine Um and I like the way that she, Holly Black um, kind of plays with masculinity. Um, definitely recommend for anybody who likes Akatar. And then I also recommend Malice um, by Heather Walter. Uh, this is the first of a duology. It's a sapphic sleeping beauty retelling. Ooh. And it, yes, um, highly recommend. And it takes place in a world with Fae. They're not as predominant as an Akatar, but I think our listeners would really enjoy it. Nice. Thank you, Shelby. Yeah, those are awesome. What about you, Julia? Um, so I have two recommendations as well. My first is the Crescent City series. Um, it's not finished yet, but the second book came out semi-recently. And the first book... I mean, I think that it would be cool. It's still by Sarah J. Moss. It still has like cool, intense stuff happening in it, similar to the Akatar series. And it is a cool series just in general. So it's like urban fantasy, which is interesting. It's an interesting mashup because there are these like there's still Fae in it, but there's also humans and there's also like angels and all of this like it's it's a very city like and very uh like now but also fantasy um oh, cool so that's it's it, it's interesting um and then also i want to recommend lore olympus which oh. has like its first volume out but also you can go online and read all of it too um and that is a retelling of the kidnapping of Persephone, and it is very cool. You have talked to me about these before. Yes, I yes. 
love it. I'm like obsessed with Lore Olympus. I'm all caught up and 100% use the fast passes. Nice. Mm-hmm. What about you, Maggie? What are you recommending? Um, I have two recommendations and both are sort of like what I would consider a YA or a young adult recommendation if you enjoy um, A Court of Mist and Fury. And the first one I think I mentioned last time as well is um, the Graceling series. Um, and it is so good. Every single book is from a different character's point of view, which I think is very interesting. And it's about um, a young girl and s- certain people are born with different gifts and sh- her gift is um, killing. So the king has hired her to like kill the people who have wronged him. And then she goes on this epic quest. Um, and it's just such a beautiful journey of self-realization. And it's so exciting. And it's a great fantasy series. And the other one I want to recommend is um, Cinder. Have you guys read this series? Yeah, I've read that one. It I is really fun. I didn't end up finishing it just because... Um, I stopped keeping track when the books were coming out, but I loved the first one. And it's sort of like a sci-fi fantasy retelling of different fairy tales. And the first one is Cinderella. And it's about a young girl who's literally like part metal. And she has like a fake leg. And it is so interesting. And all of the twists and turns that that series, I only ended up reading the first three, I think, the first two or three. But it was so much fun and really, really clever. So those are my recommendations. Cool. Um, Shelby, any final thoughts before we close out of this episode? If you are at all thinking about reading the Akatar series, highly recommend. Um, Mm -hmm. And just thank you to you both for having me here again. Um, It's been truly magical. Thank you for coming. We loved it. Thank you. Thank you. And obviously, we're going to have to have you on for the third book when we do a third season of this. This is just going to have to be a thing. There we go. (laughs) Recurring guest. No doubt. (laughs) Well, with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family. And if you're listening with Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. We are off to record our newest Q&A for our Patreon. If you're interested in joining our Novel Finds community on Patreon, follow the link in our bio. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Thanks for being a novel friend. We'll actually see you guys next week with a special author episode. All right. See you then. Bye. Bye.